disclosing how JJ and Tylee were found. We understand this may be triggering for some of our listeners, and with that, listener discretion is advised. Right now we are following breaking news in Idaho where Rexburg police say human remains have been discovered on Chad Daybell's property. This may be the break in the case authorities have been looking for after J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan disappeared in September of last year. Fox 13's Lauren Steinbrecher is live in Salem, Idaho tonight with details on this major development. Lauren. Yeah, absolutely, Kelly and Bob. A huge day, probably one of the biggest in this case so far. We're going to show you where we're at. We're across our field from Chad Daybell's home, and we're going to zoom way, way in here to where you can see some tents are set up outside on Chad's property, as well as investigators have been walking around. Investigators from the Rexburg Police Department, the Fremont County Sheriff's Office, as well as the FBI and evidence response team. We're told about 20 members of the FBI, and this is where we believe uh, they have found what they've confirmed to be those human remains. Now, Rexburg police at this point are, are not confirming or uh, can't identify those remains. June 9, 2020, Rexburg PD, along with the Fremont County Sheriff's Department and FBI, a search warrant was executed for a second time on Chad's property in Salem, Idaho. Neighbors near his home told EastIdahoNews.com they witnessed several officers pull Chad over near his home around 11.30 a.m. Witnesses say he got out of his vehicle, was placed in handcuffs, and moved into a police car. His vehicle was then seen towed away. Chad was then taken into custody and charged with the destruction or concealment of evidence. Rexburg Police Chief Shane Terman, Assistant Chief Gary Hadgen, and Fremont County Sheriff Len Humphreys held a news conference later that afternoon and stated unidentified remains were found on Daybell's property. They went on to say Chad was taken into custody and charges were pending against him. I am your host, Celine Beth Caldron, and this is part two of Chad Daybell. Later that day, Chad was charged with two felony counts of concealment or destruction of evidence. He was placed in the Fremont County Jail on a $1 million bail. While the day continued with news coverage and speculation, many believed the human remains were of Lori Vallow's missing children. Wednesday, June 10th, Larry and Kay Woodcock, JJ's biological grandparents, issued a statement to EastIdahoNews.com. The statement read, the Woodcocks and the Ryans are confirming that the human remains found by law enforcement on Chad Daybell's property are indeed our beloved JJ and Tylee. We are filled with unfathomable sadness that these two bright stars were stolen from us and only hope that they died without pain or suffering. Once officially confirmed, statements from the Rexburg police, the medical examiner, and the FBI will be released. We ask that you respect our family's privacy while we grieve. We have only just been told of the loss of our loved ones and need time to process. We are not granting interviews at this time and hope you all understand that this is the worst news we will ever get in our lives and want to be left alone for the time being. Thank you, Larry and Kay Woodcock, 
Colby, and Kelsey Ryan. The next statement came from Chad's brother, Matt Daybell, along with his wife, Heather. Their statement read, The events of the past nine months have weighed heavily on our family. It has been one of the most difficult things we have ever had to go through. Some in our extended family are still struggling to accept the reality that Chad could have been involved in something so terribly wrong. On behalf of myself, my wife Heather, and our four children, we express our most sincere sympathies to Larry and Kay and to JJ and Tylee's entire extended families. We are devastated by today's news and the apparent role that Chad has played in what has transpired. Heather and I have communicated many times in person and by phone with Larry and Kay over the past several months. They have been examples of courage, strength, and kindness to us throughout this difficult trial that they have been forced to endure. Throughout this ordeal, we have supported one another in pursuit of the truth and will continue to do so. They have been praying for our family as we have prayed for them. Our heartfelt love and prayers continue to go out to them and their family at this very difficult time. We also continue to pray for Tammy and Chad's adult children and their spouses. Because of the difficulty of this situation, our relationship with them has been significantly strained. As a result, we have had no contact with them or Chad for the last many months. We do not know where his children stand at this time. As such, we ask for patience and compassion for them and for all of our extended family as we cope with the horrific events that have come to light. Signed, Matt and Heather Daybell. Back in Fremont County Jail, Chad appears virtually in court with his now attorney, John Pryor. During the time of his arrest to his first court appearance, Mark Means was quickly replaced by John Pryor in order to represent Chad. During this hearing, Judge Farron Eddins agreed with prosecutor Rob Wood's recommendation for a $1 million bond. Mr. Wood argued the amount of the bond due to the remains found on the property. Mr. Wood's argument stated, One of the primary reasons we are asking the bail to be set at the amount is these are human remains, and although those remains have not been positively identified, we are aware that these remains are the remains of children. The concealment of one of the bodies is particularly egregious, and should Mr. Daybell bail out, he has a strong incentive to flee. Mr. Pryor went on to argue that his bail should be fairly set based on the charges, which would be $50,000 on each count for a total of $100,000. Mr. Pryor presented his argument in saying, Mr. Daybell has every intention of staying in the community and every motivation of staying in the community to address these charges. Bail is to assure that Mr. Daybell shows up to court. Bail is to assure he will not flee. Nothing says he will flee the jurisdiction. After Judge Eddins confirmed the $1 million bail, he explained that should Chad post his bail, he is ordered to stay in Bonneville, Jefferson, Madison, or Fremont counties. He was also ordered to wear an ankle monitor at all times. On June 11th, the Rexburg community, along with friends and family of the children, made their way to a local park to hold a candlelight vigil. The organizer of the event mentioned there would be prayers, a moment of silence, and a musical performance of Sarah McLaughlin's In the Arms of an Angel. As confirmed by April Raymond, a photo of Tammy Daybell was also present at the candlelight vigil. Neighbors and community members also created a wonderful memorial right outside of Daybell's property. Ribbons, flowers, and teddy bears were placed along the fence with a sign displaying a message, Gone but never forgotten. 
A couple days later, on June 13th, the Rexburg Police Department published a press release. Update on Missing Children's Case, Vallow and Ryan, June 13th, 2020. On June 9th, 2020, at approximately 0700 hours, the Rexburg Police Department, assisted by the Fremont County Sheriff's Office, Idaho State Investigators, and the FBI, served a search warrant at the Chad Daybell residence in Fremont County in regards to a missing children's investigation involving Tylee Ryan and J.J. Vallow. During the search of the property, investigators found what appeared to be two sets of unidentified human remains. The remains were taken to the medical examiner's office, where an autopsy and positive identification was performed. It is with heavy hearts that we now confirm that those remains have now been officially identified as those of J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan. We would like to thank all of the law enforcement officers involved, the Fremont County Sheriff's Office, the FBI, family, friends, and everyone throughout this community and across the country for their diligent and tireless efforts to find JJ and Tylee. It is not the outcome we had hoped to be able to find the children safe. Our hearts and prayers go out to the families of JJ and Tylee. This investigation is still active and ongoing. Signed, Rexburg Police Department. While the local communities awaited more news pertaining to JJ and Tylee, many began looking into the background of Chad's newest attorney, John Pryor. To add to the list of unsavory characters, John Pryor has his own sordid past. In 2012, 50-year-old Pryor appeared in Idaho court on a charge of battery with intent to commit a felony for an incident that took place on May 31, 2011, involving a 20-year-old woman. The woman testified that, quote, Pryor offered her money, employment, and assistance in a legal case if she would have sex with him. She also testified that when she rejected Pryor's advances, he attempted to force himself on her. Later that year, he pleaded guilty to a reduced charge of misdemeanor battery. As a result, he was sentenced to 120 days in jail, 100 days suspended, and 30 days discretionary, and fined $137.50. How this man can still practice law, I honestly have no idea. In anticipation for Chad's preliminary hearing, which was scheduled for July 1st, 2020, Mr. Pryor enters a not guilty plea to the two counts of concealment or destruction of evidence. Shortly thereafter, on June 19th, documents were released about the horrific manner the children were found. JJ was wrapped in plastic and bound by duct tape, while Tylee was dismembered and burned. As referenced in episode 6, law enforcement started to connect the phone pings pertaining to Alex Cox, as well as Chad's odd text messages to Tammy about the raccoon shooting. Lieutenant Ron Ball outlined Alex's locations in court documents. On Monday, September 9th, from 12 a.m. and 12.44 a.m., Cox's phone was located at his apartment. However, at 2.42 a.m. to 3.37 a.m., Cox is located again at Lori's apartment, where Lori lived with Tylee and JJ. This is significant not only because he is there in the middle of the night, but also because this is the only time in September he appears to go over to Lori's between midnight and 6 a.m. Cox returned to his apartment at 4.37 a.m. and at 9.21 a.m. he was located at Chad Daybell's property. 
The GPS data point placed him near the east end of the barn, according to court documents, and he was still at the property at 10.30 a.m. At 10.47 a.m., his phone shows a hit at the city of St. Anthony. At this time, we are unable to tell if he was actually inside the city limits of St. Anthony, or if this was a cell tower ping on his phone while he was still at the Daybell residence. Lieutenant Ball discussed more of his suspicions surrounding the raccoon shooting, along with Chad's text messages to Tammy. He did, however, mention another time a raccoon may have actually been shot. He stated, It should be noted that from interviewing neighbors of Chad Daybell, we are aware that in mid-July of 2019, Garth Daybell, Chad's son, told the neighbors that Chad had shot a raccoon out of a tree on their property during the day. Garth told a neighbor about the raccoon in response to a question from a neighbor about hearing a gunshot. Neighbors informed me that the fire pit in the back of the Daybell property was hardly ever used until the last few months. As law enforcers obtained this new information, they consulted with Tammy's sister, Samantha. Samantha was then asked about pet cemeteries and if Tammy and Chad had one on their property. She went on to say that both she and Tammy were pet people and they both had pet cemeteries. Lieutenant Ball continued. When asked the location of the pet cemetery on the Daybell property, she stated that it was east of the Red Barn and near the fire pit. She informed me that she was aware of the location of the pet cemetery on the Daybell property because Tammy had shown it to her. Samantha was then shown an aerial photograph of the Daybell property and she had pointed to the same area near the fire pit where Alex Cox's phone pinged on September 9, 2019. As the search continued on June 9th, the details of the discovery were mentioned in the affidavit. Quote, Ground in this area was probed with a steel pole, and several areas of disturbed ground were located. During a search of this ground, a buried cat and dog remains were found. A backhoe was used to dig further layers of dirt. While doing this, bricks were located approximately a foot below the ground. The dirt in this area was searched, and several other items of interest were found including other bones, charred tissue, and charred bones. Cheryl Anderson, a Boise State University anthropologist on site, indicated these additional bones, both charred and uncharred, and tissue found were human remains. This has since revealed to be Tylee Ryan. When investigating the whereabouts of JJ, Melanie Gibb played a big role in this part of the investigation. After Lori withdrew JJ from school on September 24th, she informed the administration that she would be homeschooling him. Of course, that turned out to be a lie. Melanie Gibb went to Rexburg around this time frame and Lori informed her that JJ had become a zombie. Lieutenant Ball stated, JJ had become a zombie and Lori pointed out behaviors such as sitting still and watching TV, claiming JJ said he loved Satan and an increased vocabulary as evidence that JJ was now a zombie. Gibb observed JJ's behavior and felt it to be the same as she had always observed it. Melanie also mentioned to detectives that Lori informed her about Chad's teachings, but specifically about people who become zombies. Quote, Death of the physical body is seen as the mechanism by which the body's original spirit can be released. Melanie also mentioned that Chad's mission is to rid the world of zombies. Are you still searching for more true crime content to listen to? Audible.com has everything you've been looking for. From audiobooks, podcasts, theatrical performances, and Audible originals, you are bound to find your next great listen. 
With my Audible monthly subscription, I get to binge some of the greatest true crime audiobooks out there, like I'll Be Gone in the Dark by the late Michelle McNamara, Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered by Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hartstark, Chase Darkness with Me by Billy Jensen, or one of my absolute favorites, The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule. Audible has thousands of options for you, and trust me, there is something there for everyone. You can get a free Audible trial now by visiting audibletrial.com slash thechosenones. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash thechosenones. Melanie stated the last time she saw JJ was the night of September 22, 2019. Her boyfriend, David Warwick, was also in attendance due to a late-night podcast recording. He, too, saw JJ, but mentioned he was acting up, so Alex then took JJ to his apartment. Ball continued. When Alex returned later that night, he was carrying JJ, who appeared to be asleep with his head on Alex's shoulder. Warwick specifically remembered this because he saw it as a tender moment. The following morning, David and Melanie inquired about JJ and where he was at that moment. Lori continued on that JJ had been acting like a zombie. Ball wrote, She informed Warwick and Gibb that when JJ had climbed upon the cabin tree, that he had knocked down a picture of Jesus off the refrigerator. Vallow then informed Warwick and Gibb that Alex had come and taken JJ. The FBI then began to track Alex's cell movements for September 22nd and 23rd. Tracking showed Alex on Chad's property on the 23rd at 9.55 a.m. until 10.12 a.m. He was specifically by the pond on the Daybell property. On June 9, 2020, law enforcement began their next discovery near this area. Quote, Members of the FBI removed the top layer of sod. Underneath the layer of sod were several large flat rocks. The rocks were removed and two pieces of flat paneling were found. The paneling was removed and investigators exposed a round object covered in black plastic. Upon exposing the round object covered in black plastic, a strong odor was noticed. An FBI member used a small, sharp instrument and made a small incision in the plastic and a layer of white plastic was observed. An incision was made into the white layer of plastic exposing what appeared to be human remains, the crown of a head covered in light brown hair. The affidavit reflects JJ's body was wrapped in tight black plastic and secured with gray duct tape. It is still unclear as to how JJ was killed. Law enforcement returns to Chad's property on June 29th to execute another search warrant. It is believed that this search warrant led to both Chad and Lori being charged with two additional felony counts of conspiracy to commit destruction, alteration, or concealment of evidence. Chad would appear in court again on July 1st for the new felony charges against him. This then causes his preliminary hearing to be rescheduled to August 3rd and 4th, 2020. As news continued to circulate around Chad's involvement with these evil and sinister acts, people continued removing their association with a cult couple. It appears the Preparing a People website was shut down this summer and things have been pretty quiet on their end. Suzanne Freeman was an author who was previously published with Chad and Tammy's book company, and she too recently spoke out against him. Suzanne was someone who also had near-death experiences and worked on a couple projects with Chad. 
While Suzanne confirmed Chad's LDS beliefs and teachings, she realized Chad had changed in 2014 since he wanted to remove LDS references to make the story more mainstream. He also began working on projects that concerned Freeman. She went on to say, quote, I am so ashamed. I think that's the word. I'm ashamed, embarrassed, disgusted. I can't wrap my head around the fact that he could be the person that they're claiming him to be, but I believe it. There's no lying. He's saying people are zombies, but I think he turned into a zombie. If people turn into zombies, Chad turned into a zombie personally. Later that month, Chad's predicted date of July 22nd that the world would end passed without any fanfare. Soon, August arrived and Chad's preliminary hearing began on August 3rd, 2020. The two-day court hearing provided a wealth of information and testimonies from several witnesses. The hearing began with Rexburg police detective Ray Hermosillo on the stand. He recounted the events surrounding JJ's welfare check in November 2019, all the way up to when the children's remains were discovered in June of this year. In particular, he described the recovery of JJ and Tylee's remains. Detective Hermosillo elaborated on how Tylee's body was found. He stated the disfigured remains were housed in a melted green bucket, which, when removed, had a partial human skull underneath it. Due to the way the body was disposed of, it was not immediately known whose body it was at that time. Once both sets of remains were removed from Chad's property and transported to the medical examiner's office in Boise, the medical examiner performed both autopsies. The last witness to take the stand on the first day was Melanie Gibb. She briefly described how she met Chad and Lori, and then was asked to recount the time she stayed with Lori in September 2019, evidently the last time she saw JJ alive. Her testimony then jumped to the end of November when Chad and Lori asked her to lie to police about the whereabouts of JJ. She initially lied to police, but eventually cooperated. The grand finale of her testimony came in the form of a phone call that she placed on her own volition, which ended up being submitted as evidence and played in court. A brief clip of this call was played in our previous episode. This concluded Melanie's testimony for August 3rd. Court resumed the next day with John Pryor cross-examining Melanie. At the conclusion of her testimony, several more witnesses are called, including David Warwick and additional law enforcement, including an FBI agent from Salt Lake City, Utah. The final testimony led to the phone call placed between an imprisoned Lori and a soon-to-be-arrested Chad on June 9th, right before the children's remains were discovered. In our previous episode, we played the audio from this phone call, and it has since been transcribed. There is a moment when Lori asked Chad, are you okay? To then Chad responds, no, they're searching the property. Chad continues on saying that her attorney, Mark Means, will be talking to her and explains law enforcers are searching his outdoor property. He then goes on to say one of the most damning sentences, quote, they are searching. There's a search warrant and so unintelligible with the kids. Lori responds to this with a simple, okay, she continues on asking about how she can help him, should she pray, and asked if he had spoken to Mr. Means. As the call is wrapping up, Lori asked if she should call him later in the day to which he responded, Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, you can try. Yeah, I'll answer if I can. Needless to say, it appeared Chad knew what law enforcers were going to find, and he knew what was coming for him next. 
At the end of the two-day hearing, Judge Eddins determined that there was sufficient cause that Chad likely committed two felony counts of conspiracy to commit destruction, alteration, or concealment of evidence, and two felony counts of destruction, alteration, or concealment of evidence. As a result, Chad's case advanced to district court, and on August 21st, he pleaded not guilty. A jury trial has been scheduled to take place from January 11th to the 29th of 2021 and a pretrial on December 10th, 2020. Coincidentally, the LDS Church, which Chad had been a lifelong member of, released a letter titled Involvement in Legal Proceedings on August 4th. This would be the second day of Chad's preliminary hearing. The letter read, we remind leaders and members of a long-standing policy that church leaders should not involve themselves in civil or criminal cases regarding members in their units, quorums, or organizations without first consulting with church legal counsel. This same policy applies to leaders corresponding with court personnel on behalf of criminal defendants or others, including through email. However, well-intentioned church leaders sharing information in legal proceedings can sometimes be misinterpreted and even damaging. Such sharing can be especially harmful to victims and their families. Following the church's policy also keeps the church from being inappropriately inflicted in legal matters. In addition, on August 18th, Chad's sister-in-law, Heather, sent out a letter to the LDS women in her area in which she references a relative. An excerpt of Heather's letter read, Satan has been around for a very long time. He has had a lot of practice in how to deceive God's children. He is the master deceiver. His tactics of old aren't going to work on members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here is what I have observed in my discussions with my relative and how his belief system evolved over time. It wasn't even considered that there is no Christ, but that you can become so good following Christ that you can be given further light and knowledge. Through that further light and knowledge, you will find truth in others' dreams, visions, and visitations. You can be given more than the average member of the church. If you are righteous enough, you can be given more understanding and even authority to discern gifts and abilities in others that the Savior wants you to have so you can assist in His second coming. The church brethren know these things, they just can't tell you right now, so there are others who have the ability to see what is coming and can tell you. Elder Corbridge warns, there are some who, without authority, lay claim to visions, dreams, and visitations to right the ship, guide us to a higher path, or prepare the church for the end of the world. Others are deceived by false spirits. Can you see how twisted that way of thinking is? It's a perfect example of the philosophies of men mingled with scripture. It's taking pieces of truth and mixing it with deceit. We are taught to seek further light and knowledge, to learn how to discern. We have been taught that we can receive revelation through dreams and visions. We've been taught to seek understanding and discover our spiritual abilities. So how can we get off course? It's the same story that's played over and over again through the history of time. It's just the details that change. It's pride. Satan knows how to play on our weaknesses, and pride is one of the big ones. We might start out well-intended in desiring to be our best selves, but when we start to see ourselves as holier, more righteous, or on a higher plane than others, that's when we can get off course. You can find Heather's full letter on eastidahonews.com. 
On August 19th, Nate Eaton with East Idaho News met with the FBI team based in Salt Lake City, Utah, in regards to their forensic processes in the Vallow and Daybell case. Back in January of 2020, their investigators seized 43 items from Chad's home, and the electronic items were sent to the Regional Computer Forensic Laboratory. Since the case is open and active, the investigator interviewed could only provide limited information. He went on to explain how they operate the retrieval process and how they searched for evidence. The investigator stated, The computer goes back in the evidence room, and now we just work on that copy that we've made. After you've taken an image of the hard drive, you can hash it. He went on to explain that a hash value is a string of text generated from a mathematical algorithm. He indicated that this becomes a digital fingerprint since everyone's data differs. In terms of numbers for the lab, in 2019, they had 455 cases that were submitted to their branch. As of today, they have 150 active cases, and typically 50% of their investigations involve child pornography, sexual exploitation, or sexual assault. Needless to say, they were a major component in finding JJ and Tylee. On September 1st, attorney John Pryor filed a motion to have the charges against Chad dropped. As reported by East Idaho News, Pryor claimed the accusations against Chad that were made in the criminal complaint that was filed by Prosecutor Rob Wood were vague and broad. Pryor said that Chad's constitutional rights were being violated because he cannot be fairly notified and apprised of when, how, and what he is accused of doing. Pryor also said that, quote, the charges are not supported by the evidence and duplicative as allegations against the defendant. Further, the prosecution has yet to present evidence to support when the alleged act is supposedly to have taken place and if the defendant acted in any manner to support the allegations. Remember, the case against Chad advanced to district court because Judge Eddins determined there was sufficient evidence against him. Additionally, Justin Lum of Fox 10 Phoenix reported on September 2nd that Prosecutor Rob Wood and the state of Idaho have filed a motion to combine Chad and Lori's cases together. From his motion, Mr. Wood wrote, quote, The courts have consistently determined that joiner of co-defendants' cases are especially appropriate where they are charged with conspiracy. In the case before this court, the Daybells are both charged with the same crimes of conspiracy to commit destruction, alteration, or concealment of evidence. Chad Daybell's further charges of destruction, alteration, or concealment of evidence are the resulting and completed crimes of their conspiracy. Trials in these matters will require the same witnesses and evidence be presented by the state. In order to preserve judicial economy and efficiency, avoid delays in bringing either defendant to trial, and for the benefit of the witnesses and victims, these cases should be joined. And with that, I leave you with this piece of audio. Now, yesterday, we heard from Lori's new husband, Chad Daybell, for the first time when ABC News reporter Marcus Moore confronted him at a gas station in Kauai. Are the kids okay? Um, can you tell me? I just can't comment. Is there anything that you would like to say to people at all who are, number one, concerned about the kids or concerned about you uh, and your wife? Anything at all you want to say to them? Grateful for any support. We just have to wait for the legal process to work through. K 
case updates for the week of August 30th, 2020. September 2nd, Justin Lum with Fox 10 Phoenix announced he has received the body camera footage from Kauai PD on the day Lori Vallow was served one month before her arrest. At the time of this recording, the video has not yet been released to the public. To keep up with all of the latest news on this case, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Chosen Ones Podcast or on Twitter at The Chosen One Pod. Please be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to our podcast and catch us next week for part one of Lori Vallow Daybell. Until then, I am your host, Celine Beth Caldron, and as always, remember the victims and embrace the survivors. This is a Conveyor Media production, host Celine Beth Caldron, executive producers Colin Whelan and Rebecca Sermons, writers Jessica Barton and Celine Beth Caldron, sound editor Jacques B, and music by Mickey O'Brien. <laughs>